0: you're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Well, Merry Christmas. It is here. I mean, every year, it, you know, as a pastor, I've been doing this for a while, and, you know, if it's easy to let Christmas kind of go, and you forget the joy of it sometimes, especially if you're doing all the shopping. So who does all the shopping in your household? Would you, would you raise your hand? I'm lucky. I don't have to do the shopping. My wife does all the shopping. On Christmas Day, I just smile and make it look like it's from me. And my kids say, thanks, Dad. And I say, you're welcome, sweetie. I'm so glad we got them that. Uh, But my kids know how the routine works. My wife loves to do. She's a gift giver. But here's the deal in Christmas. You can easily kind of just move past it and you can miss kind of the joy and the spirit of Christmas that Christ is alive, he offers forgiveness, and he offers life and salvation to all, like that angel said on that first Christmas day. And I think there's some Grinches that could literally steal our Christmas if we're not careful. And for you kids, you might realize, but somewhere just north of Whoville, on the top of this Mountain, there's a cave, and inside that cave is this green, hairy little creature called the Grinch. He's hairy and he's got this dog with him, and his dog's name is Max. You know, and this guy, he hates Christmas and he hates everyone who comes near Whoville, and he's kind of scary and rude. And then he's got a routine where he tries to come in on Christmas and steal all the presents and all the decorations and even the food. And then some, he disguises himself as Santa Claus, and Max reindeer, and they go down on the sleigh, and they steal everything they can. And many people think it's because his shoes are way too tight, or maybe that his head isn't screwed on right, or maybe it's because his heart is two sizes too small. But regardless of the reason, you shouldn't steal Christmas any season, Right? And the truth is, is that you and I, while we know that the story that Dr. Seuss has, while it's entertaining, we know is not real. There's no real Grinch in a green uh, outfit with a dog coming in to steal your presents. But did you know, in the Bible, one of the greatest books ever, I'd say the greatest, and perhaps one of the oldest, there's a story of three Grinches on the very first Christmas that actually tried to steal Christmas And I think these three Grinches still exist, and they can manifest themselves in ways that we've maybe not thought about before. And today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at these three Grinches that could steal the joy and the spirit of Christmas, and perhaps has done for millions and millions of people all around the world. And so the first Grinch that we're going to look at uh, today is the spirit of the innkeeper. And I call this Grinch, it's the spirit of indifference. And this uh, is this indifference is something that can happen where it's just apathy. Indifference is not doing something necessarily wrong, but it's doing something, um, nothing at all. It's the, the spirit of the innkeeper we see in Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 2. It's a very famous passage, but it talks about this spirit of indifference. And indifference is doing nothing when you should do something. And if you've been a Christian a while, you perhaps know that, you know, sometimes it's not what it's not just doing something mean to somebody, but maybe it's doing nothing at all. And I think as we kind of look at 2020 and we see perhaps some indifference or apathy or complacency that started to take place in our culture and maybe as Christians and we ought to be real careful that we don't miss it. And as a believer, if you've been a believer a while, you, you could perhaps get indifferent or apathetic or complacent and kind of just miss the spirit of Christmas. It says this in Luke's Gospel, it says in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered each to his own town. And Joseph, we know that guy, Joseph went up from Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called what? Help me out. Bethlehem. You got it. Because he was in a house in the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She was really, really pregnant. And, And she gave birth to her first born son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. And because there was no place for them in the inn. Now, hold up just a second. Why is there no place for Jesus? I mean, wouldn't the innkeeper, the person that's in charge of making sure that people have a place to stay, wouldn't he have heard about Jesus Christ, this son of God, this Messiah? I mean, but he, I guess he didn't, or maybe he was just indifferent, maybe he was apathetic. But still, imagine this pregnant young lady comes to you, and she's about to give birth, and imagine Joseph pounding on the door and saying, you have no idea, my wife's about to give birth, we have no place to stay, there's no room. And maybe the innkeeper says, well, it costs us much a night, and they say, well, Joseph digs into his pockets, and he just doesn't have enough. I mean, they're broke, young, broke, high school kids. They got nothing, and so what would wouldn't the innkeeper know this is perhaps probably the most important birth it's the I think the most important birth that ever took place on planet Earth, but maybe it's the spirit of indifference that just caught him, and he missed Christmas that day, so he shuts the door and they find a manger. I thought about it this week like what would what would lead somebody to do that. I think maybe perhaps the innkeeper was preoccupied with profit. He wanted to make an extra buck. I think sometimes we can get wrapped up with money at times in, in the Christmas season, and we work so hard, and then maybe some in the household, it's like, we just got to grind it out, and yeah, there's a time to grind and to move forward and work the extra hours and all that, but can't we get caught up? I mean, you've seen the commercials lately. It's like somebody is like, honey, I got a car for you. Oh, I got a car for you. I mean, who does that? That's never happened to anybody I ever have met. And then you get into the slave of this grind thinking you just got to wring yourself out to make sure there's enough money for everybody and everything, but we could lose the spirit of Christmas. And then you get apathetic and you say, forget it. I not want to be a part of it. You've been a Christian a while. Maybe you can get apathetic and complacent. Yeah, yeah, I heard the story. Well, don't let that Grinch steal from you the most important event about the birth of Jesus Christ in human history is the birth of a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The second grinch that could seal our joy in Christmas is what I call the spirit of King Herod. This showed up on the first Christmas. It was King Herod, and he was threatened. And we all know that uh, when we we feel threatened, it's oftentimes, if you peel back the layers, if we feel threatened, we're usually afraid. And when you get afraid, you can be, be irrational. And perhaps in this time in our culture and around the whole world, perhaps a cloud of fear has settled into the soul, into the hearts, into the homes of millions and millions, if not billions and billions of people. King Herod's afraid. He's frustrated. He, he hears news about this Messiah, this King of the Jews, and, and he's going to try to steal Christmas. Watch what happens in Matthew's gospel. It says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now hold up. The wise men, these guys are from Babylon. They're very educated, very smart. They're wise. And and they come from Babylon the east and to Jerusalem, long journey. And what do they say? Hey, where is... Where where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Watch this, for we saw whose star? His star. And they say when it rose, and we have come to worship him. How many of you guys saw that star the other night? Maybe you saw it in the news or whatever. I mean, really, really cool. This would have been greater than that. Some uh, scholars, theologians believe it was more massive than that. It was like the kind of glory of God, this massive display of lights. But these guys had studied this and they come and, but look at the response. When Herod, the king heard this, heard what? King of the Jews is what he heard. He was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. Why was he troubled? Because he's the king. And you're telling me there's another king? He's saying. Do you know, uh, if you did some study, you would find out that uh, King Herod was actually hated by the Jews. You want to know why? Because he worked for Rome. He got his paycheck from Rome. He was put there by Caesar Augustus, the emperor of Rome, to keep Rome in peace during that time. And he kept peace... Because he told the Jews to do whatever he wanted them to do because he got his paychecks from Rome. So when he hears of another king, trouble. Somebody else, there's not two kings in this castle is what, what Herod's saying. So he feels threatened and, and, and then behind all that is fear. And I think, I don't know what f- makes you afraid, but let's just talk about fear for a moment. Think about the things that make you afraid. Some of you would say like, I don't know, I I'm a f- the fear of drowning, or the fear of, of public speaking, or the fear of failure. I did some research this week. on was like, top five common fears for Americans today. Number one on the list, I kid you not, is arachnophobia. You ever seen that movie, Arachnophobia, those of you have been around a bit? You see that? Remember that spider that crawled on the shower? For years, I would always look and make sure there's no spider on the shower. Arachnophobia, some of you are like, what is arachna? Arachnophobia is the fear of spiders or uh, arachnids like scorpions. When we first moved here, I remember the realtors telling me, be careful, you don't, you don't want your house to be built on a scorpion nest. I'm like, of course not. And some houses don't, and then I hear this phrase a lot, well, they were here before us. I'm like, I don't care, nuke them. Nuke them. Some of you are like, no, don't nuke them. Oh, well. The second fear is mis- misophobia. Misophobia. You're like, what's that? Oh, it hit in 2020. Word of the year has been pandemic. Misophobia is the fear of germs. Americans are terrified right now of germs. That's why we have one of these signs that says, share Jesus, not germs. But people are afraid, and understandably so. And is that a healthy fear? Yeah, at some level. Is there, is there healthy fear, and there, is there unhealthy fear? Absolutely. You ought to be afraid if somebody comes at you in a dark alley at night with a gun. Be afraid. You ought to be afraid when you see things that are happening and it causes fear. But there's an unhealthy fear, isn't there? And when you when there's that unhealthy fear, don't you act irrational at times? And then you say things like, I'm sorry, I just, I lost it. The, the additional fears that I found, and I just mentioned them quickly, but claustrophobia, being afraid of restricted spaces, and then here's a great one, nomophobia. Nomo. Nomophobia is actually nomo mobile phone. Psychology today, kid you not, Google nomophobia. It is a real fear that you're terrified not to have your phone. And kids today and teens today have it probably the worst. It's a social anxiety. They, there's shortness of breath, tightness of chest, increased elevation of the blood pressure. It all happens by taking away the phone. The last fear I found that it was really interesting is the phobophobia. It means the fear of fear. You're afraid of fear. And I think what we can find in Christmas time as we think about it is that we can be fear could actually rob us of Christmas. I believe it's probably robbed perhaps the hearts of millions of folks. They're just afraid. What does the Christian life say? Is that we live a life of faith, not of fear. What could rob us from Christmas is our fears. And fear is something that we're to overcome through the power of Christ and by asking for God's help. But the whole Christian life starts with faith and it ends with faith. Don't let fear rob your Christmas this year. No matter what your situation is with your family or the travel holiday plans that were broken, or don't be afraid. Still have faith. The last fear is very interesting, or you know, the last uh, Grinch that I see is very interesting. It's the spirit of the religious. It's the elite. It's the uh, self-righteousness is what it is. And Three Grinches showed up on that first Christmas. Like I said, the first was the innkeeper, the second was King Herod and his uh, being threatened. And then the third is the spirit of the religious elite. When you think about your nativity set, uh, the religious folks are not there. You get the wise men, you get the shepherds, but the religious people aren't there. Why? Because they were trying to put an end to Christmas. Christmas. See, watch what it says in Matthew's gospel. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, you know that, and all of Jerusalem with him, a lot of folks were. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So he gathers his religious consultation. He gets some people to speak into his life, to tell him about this king of the Jews thing. Is it really here that Herod wants to know? He doesn't know about Jewish religion. He knows about Roman law. So he brings in the religious people, and look what happens. They told him. They told him exactly what the Scriptures say. And in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. But who's on your nativity set? They're not there. They don't go. It's really interesting to me is that all throughout Jesus' ministry, He battled the religious community that rejected him because they didn't need no savior. They didn't need no helping. They figured they were good. They couldn't put their faith in a baby that was born in a manger. They wanted a palace. They wanted power. They wanted Jesus to be born maybe in the temple and to overthrow Rome. And the religious community all throughout Jesus' life and his ministry missed it. And I think... Self-righteousness can rob us sometimes of our joy in Christmas because we think, oh, it's just a great holiday for the kids. No, it's a reminder for you and me and that we need saving. And it's about salvation for all people. And what can happen is we can just kind of doctor ourselves up and forget that we need Christ. So who are the people that find Christmas? Who are the people that actually really get it in the story Of the first Christmas. First, it's the shepherds. They accept the invitation. They're actually the ones that say, I'll be there. So look what happens. It says, and in the same region, there were shepherds. These are folks that are out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great what? Fear it's okay to be afraid. You and I get afraid. If we see a car crash, I mean, our adrenaline kicks in and we're afraid and we fear this person. Are they okay? But there's a healthy fear and an unhealthy fear. And God intervenes right in this moment. He uses this angel and helps him. This is the, probably the one of the most popular commands in all the scriptures. And the angel said to him, verse 10, fear not. And so what happens? For behold, the angel says, but I bring you good news of great joy that'll be for all the people. I imagine the shepherds thought, all people? You wanna know why I think the angel included that word all people, especially for the shepherds, is they weren't on the inside. They were the unwanted because they were dirty. They sat on the outside oftentimes. They were not accepted into the religious community because they were unclean by many people's standards. They were unworthy, they felt unworthy, and they probably felt unloved. I don't know if you've ever been there before where you felt unworthy. Like, I don't know if God would accept me, or you felt unloved, or you've gone too far. Well, the angel said that night, very clear, and Luke, the historian, captured it saying, no, 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 all people. And the shepherds would have said, he said all. So what do they do? They take uh, the angels for their word. They accept this invitation, just like you and I should accept the invitation. And so from there, they, verse 11, it says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a, si- a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, le- lying in a manger. And they're probably not offended by that. They're like, well, we're humble people, okay, he's in a manger, we would have figured maybe the palace or the temple, this will work, we're kind of farmyard people, we're kind of those kind of folks, sure we'll go. And look what happens, this massive worship service breaks out in the angelic realm in verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, Many scholars believe this would have been a a multitude, meaning a millions. The sky lit up with angelic power and presence. Maybe just to confirm and help the shepherds get it and say, yeah, we'll receive that invitation. And what happens? They're all praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. Verse 15, when the angels went away uh, from them into heaven, the shepherds said something. They said to one another, let's go. Let's go over to Bethlehem. I can imagine some of them were saying, no, 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 no. We we probably ought not to do that. You know all the the legalistic uh, priests and religious people will be there. They will kick us out. If this is the Savior whom the prophets have talked about, We're probably not welcome. But so they say, let's go over to Bethlehem. Let's see the thing that happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and they found, who did they find? Mary and Joseph. Where's those leaders? Where's the religious people? Where's the self-righteous? They're not there. They didn't make the nativity set. The shepherds, though, they're there. And then we see they accept that invitation. And then, secondly, we see a group of people show up after the birth of Jesus Christ. Nobody knows exactly how old Jesus was, but somebody else decided to seek him out. It was the wise men. Who finds Christ? It's the wise men. They find Christ. And what do they do? They just keep seeking. Some of you are seeking God, and you're asking a lot of questions. Good, ask the questions. I think uh, sometimes we think that we can't ask questions and, and wrestle with the issues of authentic Christianity. Can we really believe who Jesus is? Well, the wise men did. They asked their questions. These are educated people, not uneducated. These are rich people, not poor people. These people have a means. They would have been scientists in our terms, in our terminology. They're astrologers from Babylon. They have plenty of money. They give away wealth that would have equaled a, a year's salary in the average day and time three times. In today's terms, it would be receiving at your, at your son's birth a, a trust funds set up on day one. And so here's what we see with the wise men. They just keep seeking. And I think uh, of today's times when people ask me about their questions of faith in Jesus Christ, and they feel ashamed that they shouldn't doubt, or they feel ashamed that they have so many questions. Well, the truth is, isn't this true? I bet you could think about this, is don't you know people that just made a blind, rash decision, a blind step of faith to follow Jesus Christ? They don't really know a whole lot. They know their life's screwed up. They know they need help. Then they just start following Jesus. And then you know the people that really investigate the claims of Christ and the authenticity and the reliability of the Scriptures. And, And they investigate, I think of Lee Strobel, who was an analyst and a reporter. Maybe you've seen some of the movies or read the book, The Case for Christ. He really intelligently examine the evidence to say, is this really true? Well, when you do that, I think you find Christ. You think you could stack Jesus up to Muhammad and Buddha and nobody's greater than Jesus Christ. The prophecies, the predictions, the archaeology, you could get on a plane tonight if there weren't so many travel restrictions and get to Bethlehem. You, you, you can just Wikipedia and do Google searches and find... King Herod and Caesar Augustus. These are real people, ladies and gentlemen. There is a real historical evidence about our faith called Christianity, and it changed everything, our timeline, and all the world. And so, who are the people who find Christ? It's the folks that just humbly accept that invitation, like the shepherds. Or it's the wise people who just keep seeking. And I've been both. I remember I made a brash decision to follow Jesus Christ because my life was a train wreck and I had no better options. Was it genuine? Absolutely. Six weeks later, I questioned everything. I thought, why not be a Mormon? Why not, why not be a Buddhist? Why not be, uh, follow Islam? And then I started studying the Scriptures, started asking the questions, and guess what? At the end of it, I said, it's a good decision. I trust the claims of Christ. I'll live for Him. And so you have to make a decision. Will you you find Christ in Christmas? And here's my challenge to you. Be the shepherd. Humbly accept the invitation to experience all that God has to offer, and secondly, Be the wise man. Use your intellect. The greatest commandment in all the scriptures, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your what? Your strength and your mind. Remember dropping off my kids and telling them, today your job is, is to worship God. You do it with your mind. You go learn math. You go learn science. You go learn everything that you have to learn so you can be a bright, intelligent, young person and make sense of this world. So I want to share with you a story of an individual in our church that found Christ. Here's the story of Elijah. Hey guys, Merry Christmas. I am here with Elijah. Elijah. uh, And your pastor Ryan. Great to have you a part of this. Great to be. Yeah. And so you have been um, married for about a year? Yeah, for about a year. And your wife's name is Katie. Yes, and you guys moved to Phoenix about how long
1: ago? August. On um, the first of August, we moved here, so we've been here for a few months now. But
0: there was kind of a. In the, I started. I think when I when you came, I was doing that Jonah series. Yeah. And I call it. We called it the 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 theme of that was arise and kind of like <sighs> get up and go do what God's calling you to do. God gets a hold of your heart to get baptized to go public with your faith. So, God's doing a lot in your life at this point in time. And as I understand it, you, you left the church because I was baptizing folks that day. Yes, you were. And I remember it was either you or your wife like, can you do one more?
1: <laughs> so, what happened? We get in the car and we're driving, and I can feel God like, no. And, and I'm trying to make every excuse possible, but at finally I say, you know what? No. no
0: this more excuses. is as you're driving. As I'm
1: driving, we're making that racetrack. Making that racetrack. <laughs> and literally, when I'm going up the hill, I literally like, no. No more. I'm no. am not making any more excuses, and I came got baptized. Yeah. I, I was. I was really done making excuses and stop being disobedient. I. Yeah. I really, was all in. I really wanted to be all in with God. I. I was done trying to play the fence. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do that anymore.
0: And so here's the you and I've talked, but share with our church kind of what, what kept you back. From God, in, for so long, what really kept you back?
1: When I was younger, you know, I, I was my parents were Christians and were not probably, maybe not as traditionally went to church all the time, but you know I was angry when I was younger. I went through a lot of things as young, as a young man um, when I went to school. You know like I got called it a lot of different names, and it was hard. I I couldn't understand why would God make me go through things, and I felt. So, and I, I was like, maybe I'm, I'm a horrible, maybe I'm not good enough for God. And I then this shame just came upon me. I felt alone. It was like I, I felt alone and cold. And I fell into addictions. I, I went into a really, I, I got hooked on, on things that I wish I never did. And I wish I was able to talk to someone about it, but there was no one there. And it was, I couldn't even go to God because like God wouldn't listen to me. I'm not worthy of Him. I, I look at me. I'm, I'm
0: no one. And then from that point, which was in our conversation, you said it was like a turning point. You said you didn't care about your life anymore, so you signed yourself up,
1: you go overseas, and you're basically, you're almost on a suicide mission. There was a point in, when I was in Iraq where I cracked in the hangar as a, as a sergeant. You know, it's for those who have served or have had someone literally fall to pieces in the sense of falling on your knees and, and literally had had enough of just feeling this pain, I went to my chaplain. I told him, I'm done, I'm, I'm, I'm done running in circles, I'm done running from God. And, and I told myself, when I get home, I'm going to church. I'm going home, I'm gonna, I'm gonna plug in, I'm gonna go all in. I want something different for me and my family. I wanna be that spiritual leader to my wife and my children, where I am with my, with my walk and my faith with God now, I really, have this hunger of wanting to be closer to Him because I feel if I am not literally grabbing, grasping anything of God, I will go back to where I was years ago. I don't want to go back there anymore. That was a dark, lonely place. And to go there again? Mm-hmm. No, thank you. I, that was just terrifying. Yeah.
0: What would you say for those that have been running from God for a really long time?
1: I guess I would tell them, you know, I know what it's like to run. I, I know how it feels when you think you're running away from the problem and you're alone and you feel like I'm not worthy. No, God, think I'm, no, there's no way God can love me. Why would He love a person like me of the sins I've committed, the mistakes I've made? He will. I know it's hard to believe that sometimes. But running, I was, when I ran, I got tired. And Instead of running away, I ran to God. And I will never do, I, if I do any more running, it's going to be to Him and everything I do. That's awesome. Well, Elijah, thanks for sharing with me. It was an honor to share my story. Yeah. That's
0: great. Merry Christmas, guys. Merry Christmas. That's really cool. Well, I just want to say thank you for all of you, uh, you know, just being here. I know getting out is not easy in today's times, but um, I just want to take just a minute uh, to do something special. Um, So those of you online and those of you in the room or out at the Ramada, would you pull out your phone just for a second? Um, I want you to text me uh, this word, nine to 94090 if you're ready to say yes to God for some way or for some reason or another. And let me just share a couple of things that maybe your heart is just saying like, hey, yes, I, I want to experience the love and the peace that Elijah talked about. Uh, yes, I want to experience God's grace. Yes, I want to walk away from fear and live by faith, especially in 2021. Um, yes, I'm ready to stop running. You know, it's just so important to make a decisive decision to do something yes, I'm ready to accept forgiveness. Some of you perhaps are here with incredible amounts of shame, guilt, secrecy. And the Lord says, like, I want you to be forgiven, but listen, I want you to be free. There's freedom. Wherever the Spirit of God is, there's freedom in that. Maybe you just want to say, yes, I'm ready to surrender it all, my my whole life. You don't know what's next, but I, I want to surrender that. So... I want you to text us at 940-NVS to at 94090 right now. Those of you online are here in the room or out at the Ramada. And then let me lead us in a, in a word of prayer just for a moment, and we'll continue to worship. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for everybody here. I thank you for your great grace and your mercy. Thank you, Father, that the unworthy are welcomed, that the wise and the intelligent if they seek, they'll find. If they ask, it'll be given. The door will be opened. And so, Lord, I thank you for that. You're a good God. You're a gracious God. And salvation through Jesus Christ is available for all people. And we thank you for that. Father, I pray that, that nothing would be stolen from the hearts and the minds of everybody here at North Valley and and listening in and watching that we would experience all that you have for us this Christmas so would you pray with me Lord today I'm saying yes to you Lord today I just want to acknowledge I do need you you are my strength you are my salvation acknowledge my sin I believe you can forgive me of that I receive that And I confess you right now as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Bible says that if you pray those kinds of prayers, you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth, you will be saved. It's really cool. Some of you might have made that decision out of emotional need. With not knowing all the answers and others of you, you've been seeking a long time and you just knew you had to stop running. And so whatever your reason, I want to encourage you, you share with somebody, maybe that, that prayer, that decision to today. And if you're not from here, get, get involved in a local church that teaches the Bible. And if you are around here, come hang out with us. We'd love to help you get going on your journey. And then last but not least, I just want to take just a minute because we're wrapping up 2020 just to say thank you, making this church great. Came out here, started this church. We started eight years ago, my wife and I, and brought a team of folks in and we opened up this campus with a wonderful group of people a couple years ago. And 2020 has been a year, has it not? And I just want to take just a moment. I organized a, a top 20 ways that giving has made a big difference in 2020 through our church and the impact it's made. In 2020, we were able to launch online services. I got to meet somebody today that just said, hey, I've been watching ever since you guys went online. I'm from Michigan and you guys have been my church home. Thank you. And I'm here today. Um, we launched online services. We made major campus upgrades, if you haven't seen, you know, if you've been around and you realize, okay, I mean, it wasn't always like this. I tell people, you've got to go through Tijuana to get to Paradise to get over here. Um, but we were able to help support as well severely affected individuals and people from the pandemic through at the Navajo Nation this year because of your generosity. We delivered 500 toys to underprivileged kids in Arizona just in the last couple of weeks because of your generosity. We formed partnerships with our local police and were able to support their families. We've been able to help out with some nearby uh, nurses in hospitals. We partnered with Station 55, the firefighters right next door. We served teachers in DVUSD. We did some random act of, acts of kindness for some single moms that caught some uh, Instagram buzz. We, we, uh, we, we helped 10 families in a local school. We provided scholarships for kids. And one of my favorites is we didn't have to furlough. We didn't have to pay cut. We didn't have to lay off any of our staff because you guys were generous. A lot of churches weren't able to do that. Uh, we were able to grant requests of people in the community that lost some income or went unemployed. We were able to serve hundreds of families in our community because of your generosity. We offered congregational care for people that said they had need. And we even built a house in Mexico with giving financially when we couldn't go, when the borders shut. And then after we built the house and got going, I got a phone call and the guy said to me, do you know the name of the family that you guys... Able to build a house for, said no, and he said, "I kid you not, the name of the family is Corona family." <laughs> God has a sense of humor. That's wild to me. We contributed uh, finances through the church to help them build a, a music outreach down in Mexico. We recently get, we we gave up to twelve thousand dollars, more than twelve thousand dollars to help start and strengthen churches. And one of those pastors will be here this Sunday preaching, a strong, gifted African-American preacher who's preaching in his, his church, uh, kind of left during COVID, but they're online. But he wants to come here and say, thank you. He'll be here Sunday. I'll host him and excited to do that. We able to partner with him because you're giving. We secured three additional acres for our church's future in 2020, just recently. And then we were given a matching gift up to $100,000. So that's pretty cool. 2020, it's been tough, but it's still been good. Amen. We have a lot to be thankful at North Valley. Can we celebrate just for a moment? So with all that being said, I just want to say thank you for all of you. You're, you make this church great. The church is not a pastor. The church is the people. And we work together in this to share, and to show the love of Jesus Christ. And so when you give, when you serve, we make a big difference. So thank you for doing that. Those of you that haven't jumped on that team yet and you want to, you can. December 31st, that matching gift, that's the deadline for that. You can just give to the general fund. There's four ways to give. No pressure. If this isn't your home and you don't, you're just visiting, we don't need anything from you. But this is what we do to be a part and help fuel the vision and the mission to help share and show the love of Christ to the North Valley and beyond. So thanks for being a part. Merry Christmas. Thank you for
1: listening. To
0: become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give today at northvalleychurch.org.